Hello and welcome to episode 99 of Q&A Quest. I'm your Breath of Fire hitting host, Mike Apps, a.k.a. Wheels, and with me as always... You and I in a little toy shop, Bamboo Master, David McBurney. So you and I in a little manga cafe somewhere in Tokyo. You guys know Michael Bay. And special guest. Eric RPG, which does not hate uh, the Breath of Fires, but like... Like it did nothing wrong. I mean, it, at least it's not beyond the beyond or um, Legend Dragoon. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I shout before it's God, like, man, hey. fire! The Breath of Fire did nothing wrong. <laughs> How's everybody? Or Greenstream Saga with the no faces. Oh, why did you? Now that we've got political talk out of the way, do we have a question? <laughs> we have many questions of all different yeah. sizes and flavors. Unfortunately, all the ones we're talking about will be Pokemon. <laughs> Excellent. So these are from Strawberry Eggs. Who says, Pokemon questions, don't mind if I do. How do you refer to the trio of... Okay. Raikou No, hold on. No, no, let me try it. Let me try it. Raikou? <laughs> uh, Antai? Why are you doing this to Ante, me? And Suisun. <laughs> No, you sound like on. my co-host. <laughs> okay, no, we're calling them Jimmy, Billy, and Spike, so that frickin' we all no, Jimmy, Bibby, and Spike. No, how far off no. was I? Going back to this question, I actually remember the original Flame Wars on GameFAQs about 20 years ago over what to call these things. Oh, people got pissed about whether, oh, like... Oh, massively. Uh, the problem is, um, they're all based on actual Japanese legendary monsters, Ooh. but... The monster's appearance that they're based on is not actually what they look like in the game. So, like, Suicune is based on a Suiko, which was a kind of wa literally a water tiger. Oh, Suicune. Raiko was based on Raiju, which was an, basically a bolt of lightning shaped like a wolf. And Entei was based on, I cannot remember the name, but it was basically a dog made of smoke. I remember Raiju from Shin Megami Tensei. Yep. So I, yeah, that, I so, wasn't even um, in the ballpark on those pronunciations, was I? You no, deliberately ignore the pronunciations I provided. <laughs> uh, no, but the thing is, I, I remember how nasty and ridiculous this flame war got back in the day, and I have to go with the official peace declaration pronouncement at the end of the flame war. They are the three legendary hamsters. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what they are. That's what we are officially referring to them as. So we don't actually start the war again. Please, no. There's. There's an armistice agreement in place. Please, it's Why aren't there three legendary hamsters? <laughs> because then I'm the armistice would have to be broken. Or Triace during the Valkyrie profile games. Okay. Uh, yeah. Never mind good times. Super Picard in E6 uh, is time trial file game. Time trial runs for the boss runs. Pokemon Legendary Hamster Peace Treaty will hence be frozen in piss and thrown onto the freeway where it'll shatter into despicable pieces. So now that we've settled on the trio of legendary cats, uh... <laughs> Please, no, remember, armistice agreement. Please, let's not start this again. But yeah, I do, I do kind of, on some level, miss people getting, like, being in the demographic capable of getting up in arms about what to call this sort of thing. Like, well, it doesn't have an official name. Well, I'm angry about it, damn it. I've never been in that demographic, and I really cannot understand people who get that worked up over a fictional character. Listen, listen. Any... I was like 12. 
So that's how. <laughs> the three I, god beasts. But well, where's the fourth? <laughs> there is a certain point in your like young life where you have plenty of capacity to care too much about something, but nothing worth caring about, and that is when this is ripe to happen. <laughs> Sounds like the uh, anime, judging... industry, or anime community is a late. I was going to say, judging from some of the people on my regular writing forums, that age range extends up to age 50 plus. <laughs> Listen, I, did, I didn't say it ever goes away. In other words, old, old people are just old children. Yes, <laughs> we can all think of some good examples of that, but still... That does not mean I understand the mindset very well. I, I've long since lost the arcane like, knowledge that would allow like, me to decrypt it. <laughs> like, I, I know that these characters that I wrote here are supposed to be not very well liked and villains and everything, but threatening retri retributory prison rape upon them uh, in, in mm. absentia or things that they have not actually done yet in the story you just think they're going to do. Yeah, uh, I'm not... I don't want to know further context for the discussion you've been having. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm like, where did this come from? This is a PG-13 story, and you're giving R-rated uh, comments. Oh, dear. Yeah, that's concerning. <laughs> yes. Oh. Glad that I glad that I don't have to see that. I'm gonna go compartmentalize and remove that memory. So, uh, I officially remember nothing of the past ten minutes. So we're just so going to jump right in. What do they call Raiko, Suikun, and Entei then? Uh, beasts. Thank you. There's a good. There's a good non-committal answer. Thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> so I didn't say God Beast earlier. It's good enough. Whatever. What game are those are guys even from? They're Gold Silver Crystal. Really? Yeah. Yep. Suikun is the the cover legendary for Crystal. Yep. I never played this. Wow. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that, that was the first game in the series that actually bothered to kind of do them as a thing, that they are actually a trio, because the birds in the first game were just kind of there in different spots. and Like, people thought of them as a trio, but there was nothing that implied that they were specifically yeah. a trio. Except, the, except for the fact that their names included the words most <laughs> race. Yeah, yeah. But that was more of a joke on the part of the translators. Yeah, I remember catching that joke three months into my Pokemon obsession being very upset. Mm, I'd never caught that. Well, I'll be back in a couple minutes. But I caught them all. Uh, yes, and it destroyed you. Yes. Oh, yes it speaking did. of which, Wheels, yes. you do have a package in the mail. Woohoo! Yes, and so. you will have to reset the thing before you can ch switch it over to a different language. That's fine. I would have done it anyway. And I, I would have I just deleted the game save for you, but I went and checked, and in case you want the second stage water starter and the dusk form of that werewolf Pokemon, you're, they're available for you. Ooh, okay. Because if I remember right, the, the werewolf guy only had normally has a night and a day form, but for Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, they had a download code for a special um, rock rough that lets you evolve into a third form. So um, since the uh, since the expiration date on that download code is like a year ago almost, um, I figured, you know, I'll just leave the game as it is and let you take that thing out if you would like, because it's about the only thing worth taking out of it. Perfect. Thank you for the coffee. Cool. Yeah, I just spent like 50 minutes at the post office. Yikes. 
No, Wait. it was not your package. It was the family's package. Uh. Which was first three centimeters too large by floor area to be sent the way I wanted it to. And then as it turns out, when I split it into two boxes, one of the boxes was a couple hundred grams overweight. So I sent three boxes. <laughs> All right, or then. five if you count yours and the other one that was actually supposed to be separate to begin with. So. That does sound like a nightmare. Yeah, mostly a good doze on the on the chairs waiting for them to get stuff together. <laughs> All right. We do the next part of this question. Are there any as yet unused animals, myths, or other concept you'd like to see become a Pokemon? Hmm. Perhaps you've designed your own fake mon. I know Michael Baker has a few. I've got quite a few on my Facebook page. Nice. Yep. It was, it was fun. Um, I even took a couple that Wonder Slime did for the SOCK game many years ago and just redrew them. Huh. Yeah, which he enjoyed a lot. I don't know how, but I got dejected. Oh, that's weird. Oh, welcome back. You're back. We are... The question was, are there any as yet unused animals, myths, or other concepts you'd like to see become a Pokemon? Mm. The, let's see. Among the stuff I've made, I've made an undead magic arc. Nice. Called Holy Carp. Uh, Chupacabra. <laughs> <laughs> Chupacabra, that'd be a fun one. Yeah, um, like a dark, a... Uh, dark themed squirrel monster, basically. Yeah, um, I came up with a drop bear fake mon years before they had the koala thing from Sun and Moon. It was grass dark and it had it like a bullseye painted on its butt so it could aim properly. So it fought. And its its eternal enemy was a wombat, ground and fighting. Hmm. Yeah, so it was Qualump versus Quambat. Yeah. So, yeah, I had some fun naming these things. So, yeah. Yeah, that, that was a good portion of my life for five years, is anytime somebody did very well with their homework in my little children's class, they got to name their <coughs> personal combination of Pokemon types, and I would draw something for them. Nice. And I saved a bunch of them for later. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I also kind of, kind of predicted the fairy type like six years before it happened. <laughs> really? Yeah, I, I came up with something that was supposed to be like a light type um, that ended up doing almost the exact same thing that fairy did, except minus the dragon strength. Hmm. Um, but yeah, like that. Oh yeah, that was part of the thought that gave me a toxic mushroom smurf as a as a fake mon. <laughs> that was kind of fun. Hmm. Uh, I think one okay. one thing I'd like to see, because this just happened at Magic the Gathering not too long ago, would be something based on Egyptian mythology. Mm. Which, as we've discussed on the show before, I was like very interested in as a kid. So there is the sarcophagus Pokemon. There is, yes. And <laughs> and one of the ones I made up years ago was actually a Shabti. Nice. Yeah, which ended up looking a bit like the sarcophagus Pokemon, unfortunately. So, <laughs> Zatu is kind of like one of those. Zatu is more of a totem pole. Mm. <coughs> well, mm. Any other good ones? Um, sure, because I have there's several generation gens I've yet to play, and so. Okay, we'll name something even... that you're curious about, and we'll see if we can actually name the thing that you actually. 
How about a Pokemon based off the Kelpie monster? Kelpie. Um, Suicune could fit that, even though it's based off a Japanese thing. Instead. Well, the Kelpie is supposed to be like a underwater seahorse type thing. That looks like it's made mainly out of seaweed. It's also carnivorous. So, um, yeah. Kelpie would be a nice one. So, uh, I've done mermaids, I've done various types of ghosts and ghoulies and long-legged beasties. And something that's hidden under an umbrella so well you can't actually see what it is. Mm. Okay. So, Wheels, any thoughts? Well, in, in this kind of the same vein as this question, I'm thinking, what new types could you add to the game? Not, that be not a fun many one. left. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Not um, much room left there, but... I mean, Fairy really filled in the last major gap that I could think of. Yeah. I mean, I could see empowering a few types a bit better, like Poison and Ghost. Yeah, like, so, give, them, give them, like, other ones, weaknesses of those. Mm-hmm. And maybe a few better moves. It's like, it is a good idea to make Dragon versus Dragon. <laughs> so, no, that's dumb. I mean, making Ice Week against Fighting is a bit... Yeah. Because they can break ice. Uh, and rocks and steel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but ice really could have used one fewer. But yes, but there's also plenty of really awesome type combinations that we could still mess around with. Sure. I mean, has there been an ice fighting or an ice poison? So for I ice poison, so. I had a thing that was like a looked like a spider crossed with a vampire bat called Frostbit. Ooh. Yeah. Here comes Frosty. Mm-hmm. Wait, we do have an abominable snowman Pokemon. So. Oh yeah. From Make Cam- Put Chemtrail in. Follow Shin Megami Tensei's lead. <laughs> Chemtrail. Yeah, Chemtrail. Did they actually have a Chemtrail in one of the later Mega Ten games? Uh, yes, SMT four. Which version? Because I don't know. Original. How did I miss it's, that? It's one of the fiends, so there's like one area in the game where it has a 1 in 128 chance of spawning. No wonder I never found it. Okay. <laughs> yep. <laughs> wow. You could only make that by a weird fusion accident. Yeah. I went out of my way to find that one because Chemtrail amused me for existing. Uh, Dave, do you have any ideas for... Where what other myths and whatnot Pokemon can draw from in the future? Chemtrail. <sighs> other I thought than, I was joking. Other than that. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, I don't know, man. They they like they made an entire region. That's entire point was like this is the mythology region. Which so. One is that? That's Sinnoh, that's Gen 4, that's why there's all the, like, that's why the Pokemon creation myth is related there. I haven't played that one. I'm just saying, like, (laughs) that one has a preponderance of legendary Pokemon. Wait, Gen 4, that is, um... Thank you. Are there any more Pokemon that are based on the Yokai? Oh, there's plenty. Um, Let's see which ones, um, like, Futakuchi Ona, there's Mawile. Mm. Um, what else is there? I mean, 
depends on what your definition here is of yokai. Um, the three legendary hamsters are all yokai. So, um, the Zoro arc is based off the off the Yogitsune. Actually, anything with anything made from foxes in this game or in the yeah. series is based on a uh, Japanese yokai. Um, all four of the taper-based Pokemon are based off of the Japanese Baku. Mm. Um, hmm. Certainly more. Mm. Um, there's, there's like 800 Pokemon. Papa and Tengu and... Yeah. It's more like, which ones have they covered? <laughs> That's so. all, the weir- all the weirdest ones, of course. Um, including some that you probably wouldn't want to have covered. Some of those ones that might not be child game appropriate. Like the, like the ones that fart in front of your face and stuff like that. Beloved. But, um, speaking of Yokai, Yokai Watch 3, I am mm. mad that Europe gets it before we do. Yeah, that's not fair. Two months before. <laughs> they must have liked it better. Uh, release policy. They must have been selling better there. Although, if you're a YouTube streamer, you got an early copy, so the game's actually done. Wait, what? So yeah. why is I wasn't it... paying any attention. Why is it not coming out till February, then? Uh, probably because it's too late to sell it at Christmas. But... <laughs> but... But... They want to earn the most money possible, so they're going to space out the release across region. <laughs> Bless you. <sighs> This is what they've always done, and it's always been infuriating. That's okay. Yokai Watch will still be there in February. Mm-hmm. You, however, will not. Oh yeah. Speaking of which, it's actually sort of like based on the Sukiyaki version, but it's going to include the content from the other two versions. So they just made one version for the West. One definitive version. <laughs> I think they realized that the Yokai Watch is not popular in the, enough in the West for it to make sense to release multiple versions. So they'll probably do something similar when Yokai Watch, uh, Yokai Watch uh, Blasters Two comes out. Yokai Watch Four. Man, I'm thinking about all of the all of the weird Pokemon knockoffs. Let's all sit down and play some Robopon. <laughs> and yeah, I could probably find you a copy of Zetai. Um, Onkan uh, Otoda Master at some point. The one oh. that fires the, the DS microphone. <laughs> Maybe <this>? not. <laughs> Bomberman looks like one. a Pokemon. <laughs> or a Robopon. Yep. I told you, um, Otoda Master, that's the one where you actually use the DS microphone to catch monsters. That sounds obnoxious. Yeah. Oh, especially since there's an entire set of monsters that require a grade school recorder <laughs> to get. Not even joking, or you have to play it into the microphone. And I know I've told you guys about this one before. Yeah, it sounds familiar, but also it sounds baffling, so I don't blame me for being baffled by it every time it happens. I mean, it was hilarious, even if the entire fifth chapter of the game was taken up as one extended fart joke. Wow. Not even joking there. It was just one after the other. Oh, that sounds like, lovely. It's like, you know how in Ireland you have the uh, ma- the uh, mountains infamously known as the Paps of Manu? Because they look like breasts. Mm-hmm. This one had cheeks of wow. poo, I think it was like, something like that. 
And it had a volcanic vent that was constantly sending out puffs of smoke. How do you feel about the entire Earth farting all at once? That's, I don't want to think. He pulled Gaia's finger. Nope, nope, I'm done. I'm moving <laughs> forward. Okay, next question. Uh, do you think there will be regional variants in the general... You guys didn't skip past this for, uh, while I was gone, did you? No. no. Do you think there will be regional variants in the Generation 8 games? I thought it was odd that there were no new Mega Evolutions added to Generation 7. I sure hope so, as it's a neat way to give a new twist to older Pokemon, and I'll have to add more entirely new species. That really like, depends on how far afield they go for Generation 8. I mean, I feel like regional variants are a thing they'll keep doing, because they have a little more longevity than the than mega evolutions which require like a power creep to over, to go on like yeah. a regional variant can just be different it doesn't inherently have to be much stronger so i feel like those kind of fit better and they they play more into like pokemon as like they're your friends they're animals that live around places they're not these weird like Mega, Mega Evolution plays more into the Pokemon as tools for battle, which seems like something that things like Let's Go actually move slightly away from, even though they're still primarily like RPGs where you fight things. <laughs> uh, so yeah, plus I mean, the like the whole reason they keep doing these is that like those really old Pokemon have situations where like they're very much templates that other Pokemon are define themselves as being different from, and now they need gimmicks to make them stand out. And so now you get Grimer, but it's 16 different colors, or uh, Exeggutor, except it's a complete horrifying nightmare. <laughs> it wasn't before? Listen, it was merely like mildly upsetting when it was just like a tiny palm tree, but now that it's like a giant palm tree that's also a dragon somehow? <laughs> I always like that. No, I like it, but it's also terrifying. Like, really upsetting looking. Again, funny thing is, Fakemon, about 10 to 11 years ago, actually came up with a, plant, a grass dragon Pokemon that was based off a of palm tree. And dragon wow. fruit. Gotta apply to work at the Pokemon company. Yeah. I'm sure there's a long line that they completely ignore. <laughs> yeah, probably. So, it is interesting to note that, like, they kind of hinted in the Pokedex entry at the idea that Exeggutor was not supposed to look like this, as far back as like Gold, Silver, and Crystal, which has like in Crystal's Pokedex it says, "Living in a good environment makes it grow lots of heads." Uh, no, wait, not Crystal. There was one of these early ones that, like, way earlier than Alola. Uh, oh yeah, Emerald says originally from the tropics, and like they kind of hint at the idea that it's not that like if it lives elsewhere, it looks very different. Hmm. I, I thought it was nice that they did stuff like upgrade Rattata to dark type. And, yeah, uh, I think they did the same like thing for. Like how, uh, I also like stuff like how um, the mega evolution of what's the name the the third version of the electric sheep. Uh, and, Ampharos. Yeah, Ampharos, the Japanese name for him is Denryu, which literally means electrical post. But it looks like it could also be electric dragon. Yeah, which is why its mega evolution is actually dragon typed. Yeah. So, I mean, so regional variation allows them to 
like have fun with stuff that fans would have thought was possible given the yeah. stuff. And it just makes them feel more like animals, which, you know, you'll find things that are the same species, but they look and act very differently from place to place. Yeah. Or like but, how the pumpkin Pokemon and XY came in four different sizes. <laughs> trying to remember which Pokemon it was that, like, it's it has, like, a dot pattern that's, like, randomly generated every time it appears. But oh, that it's, means... the, it's that weird-looking, like, dopey teddy bear with the swirly eyes is always dizzy. He's in um, a Ruby Sapphire Emerald in the yeah. area of volcanic ash. Yeah, and they, like, like... I want to say that the theoretical number of options there is like billions. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's like, don't even try to look for one with the pattern you like. You are probably not going to find it. <laughs> okay, uh, I think it's Spinda. There, that would be it. Uh, yeah, like that's... They love doing like little things like that where it's just like one thing that's like, oh, this one just is weird. Don't think about it. Going back to the very beginning where there was only one set of Pokemon that had gender differences. Yeah, that mm. completely borked the programming of every game f in the future and created many, many questions. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's something they should do. They should just merge um, the two Nidorans together. They will never renumber every succeeding Pokemon forever <laughs> to do that, so we just have to live with this for some reason. They did, like... It does remind me of, like, some of the, like, really strange ones they came up with, like, where they did do, like, this idea of, like, oh, the males and females evolve differently, so you get things like... Or even ones where it's, like, only one of them evolves, which, hey, the B one... The, when they made another B one after Beedrill, they made Vespa Queen, which is like, oh, yeah, if you got a male combi, you might as well just throw it out, because it's never going to do anything to help you. Yeah. I mean, Beedrill is literally a wasp, so I think the name is a bad idea. Yeah, that's that's one of those things where they localized... I presume the localized name kind of got away from them. But... Yeah, Pokemon's fun! I like Pokemon. Good times. <laughs> can ride around on a Snorlax. <laughs> wow. It's shocking that Snorlax moves enough for that to be a reasonable idea. No, you just dangle a, a bunch of berries on a string in front of his face. Oh, man. It's hungry. Feed that Snorlax. <laughs> also, the new... Uh, Let's Go makes it possible to catch, like, multiple wild versions of the legendary birds, which is super weird. That's very weird. Not because, <laughs> like, it shouldn't be possible. Like, they've implied that there's more than one of them before, but, like, the games just never let you do that. And it's super, like... It's such a strange break from tradition. Weird. But we should probably move on. Yes. And this, uh, this first Budai question is seemingly trolling me. <laughs> yeah, but you know he means well. I'm sure he means well, but also he's trying to hurt me. Uh, which of the three PS1 Final Fantasy games do you think are better than Grandia? <laughs> Well, okay, so we got to take the question better in which way, because graphically, none of them really stand up, stand the test of time as well as Grandia did with the pixel graphics. Grandia is like, the last time I played it, which was like a year and a half ago, I was just kind of in awe at how many like unique little animations that all the characters in Grandia have. Which is something that you get with very well done 
pixel art and not with um, CG poly- um, uh, polygon stuff. Yeah, Grandia, like, you could make maybe a case for some of the backgrounds, because Grandia has actual 3D backgrounds, whereas the PS1 Final Fantasies have pre-rendered ones that some of them are really nice and some of them are less so. so but um, taking on the average, like, um, some of Final Fantasy VII's areas and backgrounds are really nice, and a lot of the video sequences are awesome, but then balance out the fact that your character models look like your Legos. You don't love Popeye? Eh, not that much, no. <laughs> it took me a very long time to work out that, like, the weird, like, discolored portions at the end of Cloud's arms were supposed to indicate that he's wearing gloves. <laughs> yeah. Is that what those they- are? Yeah, that's what's that's what's going on there. Like, if you think about FF Seven as like someone tried to very directly mimic some of the conventions of super deformed sprite work in three D and failed miserably, it makes more sense. Yes, but it is a very strange looking game. Mm-hmm. So, um, so there's part of the issue there that graphically. <sighs> I mean, even at their best, the three PS1 Final Fantasies don't always look hold up anymore. They they very much favored art styles that were technically impressive and in vogue at the time, but at the time, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's the infamous uh, piece of fan art that I've seen of like someone actually drawing Squall as he appears in the scene where Renoa says that he's the handsomest uh, guy here. And it's just like you can see all the like distended pixels that have left his face entirely, and they've just tried to draw him like that, and it's completely horrifying. Yeah. But yeah, they kind of they kind of all do that. Grandia still looks good. Uh, Grandia's story does not degenerate at any point into being completely incomprehensible, which is a Final Fantasy tradition. Yeah, there's no real third act chaos happening to the plot. It's just it's. It tends to go very well in a good sequence, and there's no going back. Yeah. It's, it's, it is a simpler story, which is what one of the things that people would have criticized at the time, but that also means that it's a story that doesn't go flying, screaming off the rails. Uh, it has a better battle system than most, really all of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> like... It would be hard for me to say which ones I liked, which ones I liked better. Like, FF7 is an important enough game for me that I might like it more, but it would be hard for me to say that any of them is actually a better game than Grandia. Yeah. I mean, personally, I like 9, the best of the three. Just I, I it, like 9 is a wonderful three. game. Um, it unfortunately does break down quite a bit once you actually leave the Continent of Mists. All about when the life of tree just destroys, like, half the game's world map. Yeah. Um, so, but again, yeah, that's a ma- major problem with any Final Fantasy is the starting area. I mean, like the starting continent of the story is usually very well fleshed out and has lots of details and different countries. And once you go beyond that, the other three or four continents are almost vacant. They'll be vacant, and then like the plot will start out with a lot of mysteries, and then when it starts deciding that it needs to resolve them in any fashion. She usually means around the two-thirds mark when it's starting to close out, things start going completely insane. Yeah. 
This is also why I, I actually enjoyed Final Fantasy X a lot more than I thought I would. Hmm. When I actually went down and sat down and finished it. Because, I mean, it's much more linear than the previous three in the way it, it works, but that actually works in the favor of the series. Because you you're not left wondering, why is large areas of this continent completely uninhabited? You're just never on the right path to find a lot of the extra stuff. Who knows? They might be there. Yeah. Ten I two mean, kind of uh, kind of doubles back on that, but I mean, also like ten also had the excuse of, well, about every six months, an entire place gets wiped off the map if a bunch of people live there. Yeah, I mean, it's a permanently post-apocalyptic society, minus the nuclear fallout. I don't know. I mean, you had the poison after effects that uh, that sin left behind. Sin's toxins might, in fact, be fake. Yeah. Oh man, I do. I do repeatedly end up wishing. Did you get all of the eject spheres? Um, not. I don't think I did actually. Those are really neat because I think those actually tell like a really good character-driven story. That I think I'm not sure if you could expand it out into a game, but I kind of like to see them make them make the attempt. But because the like that that three-person group has like a good party chemistry that. Uh, I think would be interesting to explore further, but nope, never, never gonna happen. Uh, you guys got opinions on this, Wheels, Eric? I have yet to play Grandia One, so I should probably. I will fight you. <laughs> no, no, don't fight him. Just mail him a copy somehow. No, no, the Switch version's coming out next year, and he will not have. The option of not playing. Do it, Wheels. Do it. This is one of the better games out there. Well, I mean, I'm sure it can't be as bad as Breath of Fire. <laughs> I'm now, not even the one who's trolling. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even the one counter-trolling Budai at this point. <laughs> yes. That was entirely on Wheels. Wheels, Wheels, Wheels. Isn't Breath of Fire 5 one of your top games ever? Yes. Yes. So shut up and let's move to the next question. Okay. Uh, have you ever seen some of the more interesting... I have no idea what this question is. You're going to need to com come back next week and clarify what this means. Satellite. I think that's the company name. I do not know what Satellite is. Um, well, let's Google Satellite. I love well, this gives us way too many items. Yeah, like this is, this is impossible. <laughs> impossible to Google is the problem, so... Uh, maybe you? come back with what this question meant. I meant to ask for clarification in the Discord and then was very exhausted today and forgot. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there's... I really can't figure yeah, out exactly what this might be. So, right. okay. Hold on, let me take a crack at this. Okay, so shall we just move on while he's Googling? Yeah, while he tries yeah, to... Okay, I give up. I give up. What, well, what combination of factors led to older games being so difficult? Uh, One, a lot of times the programmers on staff were so new to this industry that they didn't really know what they were doing. And two, the ones who did know what they were doing had their teeth on arcade games, which were meant to get as many coins out of the player as possible by killing them repeatedly. Mm -hmm. I mean, go back and look at uh, the go look at the site schmopulations and go look at some of the interviews they've translated from people who worked in the arcade at times when the arcade was popular, and they will talk about, like, the philosophy of, like, 
how much time you give the player before you bo- jack up the difficulty to force them to insert another coin. Um, I believe in smart in the smartphone games industry, this is referred to as fun pain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm completely serious. I read an article on I think it was Candy Crush. Oh, uh, man. you have you have to give the player enough satisfaction with dealing with the problem that when he inevitably dies, he feels willing to pay the minor amount of whatever to keep going because he's just this close to finishing. Yeah. It's a very tantalizing sort of idea. Tantalizing is exactly the word here, and it is the modern version of Nintendo Hard. (laughs) The the interviews I remember reading, I think they were IREM people talking about, like, uh, R-type. And their, uh, their philosophy was that, like, at... At most, by about the end of stage three, beginning of stage four, you need to, like, have ma- jacked it up hard enough that a player who's good at that kind of shooter is going to need to put in at least one more coin. Because <laughs> that'll take you about, you know, a handful of minutes to get through, and then, you know, then they feel like they've gotten at least some of their money's worth and are re- invested enough to keep putting coins in. But, but- yeah. It's uh, it's very it was very core to that philosophy. Uh, there was also just at the time like it, it makes me think a bit about how the the nature of the player's relationship with the game has evolved in a different direction than the idea that people had at the time. Where at the time there was very much this idea that the game existed essentially as a challenge from the designer to the player. And if the player couldn't overcome it, that was their problem. Whereas now we kind of approach things from the philosophy that the game exists to make the player have fun. If the game has forced, if the player gives up, the game has failed the player. So that fundamental shift of design philosophy, it makes me think of like how you'll read old school uh, tabletop manuals that treat the player and GM relationship as adversarial. Whereas, like, modern tabletop would basically never posit that. Except for very specific games designed with that idea in mind. But, like, yeah. the average game, like a D&D game, like, the the GM is not necessarily supposed to protect the players from destroying themselves, but at the same time, like, the GM's job is not to kill the players. <laughs> that really depends on the nature of the GM and how... Oh, and their understanding, because some of the worst games I've ever seen in that genre were designed by people who thought they knew what a GM should be doing, and that was to make the players miserable. Yeah, yeah. But I, I'm, I'm speaking mostly of how, like, you'll see changes in how D&D manuals refer to things, which is really just my limited perspective and scope, but, like, it's what it makes me think of. Like, this is just sort of how the philosophy of player and creator interaction has changed in a lot of spectrums of, like, game design. Yeah, for tabletop, a lot of it was a, a switch from wargaming, where the, the individual pieces were just pieces mm-hmm. that, you were, um, that you were arranging in a grand strategy so they weren't people, into a game where each individual character piece was a person mm-hmm. representing a part of what you thought was the adventure. And so it transitioned from a purely war game to a communal storytelling game. Yeah. That, that, that's the ma- probably the main uh, force of the changes there. 
Yeah, that really betrays like early tabletop's root as sort of an outgrowth of wargaming, things like D&D and Chainmail. If I remember right, Gygax was um, Gygax originally came up with D&D after being asked if he could somehow change a Napoleonic Wars war game to uh, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and his first yeah. question was, what's Lord of the Rings? And so he was forcibly sat down with a copy of um, Fellowship. That explains a lot about Gygax's philosophy because he did not seem to. He seemed to prefer like low fantasy Conan as opposed to oh yeah high fantasy Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Conan was a major influence there. Um, But like, and and also a lot lot of a lot of the early D and D stuff was very much against mixing and matching or. A lot of variation. I mean, he was very. Gygax was really against half elves and half orcs at the beginning. Just didn't like those. Di- generally, like really, like early D anD D very much encourages the player to play human because like non humans don't can't level as high and don't get a lot of choices of jobs. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever see the rewrite of the of the first edition rules that were basically racist D anD D? <laughs> Didn't kind of happy I have him. Yeah, um, I, no, this is hilarious because the entire rule set fits on one piece of paper and is completely playable, but it is quite, um, quite blatant. Like race, race descriptions. Humans, you get this because we are racist. Anyway, I need to get going because it's slightly raining outside and I need to get to work. Sure. Okay. okay so right. have fun with Budai's last two questions. I'm kind of happy I don't have to deal with the next one. Have fun. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next week. That's never stopped me before. Aha. See ya. See ya. What is the next question? What was the first great RPG that still stands the test of time and has aged well? Uh, Final Fantasy VI. <clears throat> next question. What? <laughs> Final Fantasy V is better than Final Fantasy VI, first of all. That's heresy, and you know it. It's my honest belief. But, uh, and uh, let's see. <laughs> does Final does, does Fantasy Star Four predate FF Six anyway? Uh, probably. Uh, shit. Does Shining Force Does Shining Force Two predate Fantasy Star Four? Okay, so Fantasy Star Four is nineteen ninety three, so it definitely predates FF Six. Yeah, okay. Uh, Shining Force Two. I can't believe we're having this fight again. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Shining Force Two <coughs> is uh, October nineteen ninety three, just a month or two before Fantasy Star Four. So, uh, like those are some of the earliest ones I could say that like I could recommend without caveat. Like, there's a lot of games that I would say these are still good and still worth playing, but like I would need to have like I love FF Four, but you would I would still give caveats of like well it's still very simple. Uh, I'm trying to think of like or anything earlier than the like SNES era that I can recommend without major caveats of like Dragon okay Quest Four, Dragon Quest Three or Four might actually be it. Like they aren't grotesquely difficult. No, they re they require exploration, but still reasonably direct the player. Uh, they have. You know, pleasing, high-quality 8-bit graphics and sound. I would, I would say, yeah, probably Dragon Quest three or four, forced to. You know what? I have a good one that, well, that? at least most of the people on this show would agree with. 
Saga Two. Yeah, yeah, Saga Two. That's uh, after Dragon Quest, though. Uh, when did so, that come out? Saga Two is December nineteen ninety. Okay. And Dragon Quest Three is probably like nineteen eighty nine. True. That it always messes me up because of how later those came out in the U.S. Man, it's even earlier than that. It's February nineteen eighty eight. Wow. Like they had their they had it together way faster than anyone else. Yeah. Then Dragon Quest Four. It's going to be much easier to find the release date for that if I search Dragon Quest Dragon Quest instead of Dragon Quest. Yeah, and DQ Four is two years later in February of nineteen ninety. So it's uh. Yeah, we kind of got those on, like, a two-year delay. It was crazy. Yeah. Uh, and it was really, really unflattering for Dragon Quest One. Yes, yes, it was. But, yeah, that Good was... Uh, I got it for free. Yeah, got that with your Nintendo Power subscription. But, yeah, like, take your pick. Uh, I definitely would not say that any of Final Fantasy One through Three holds up well enough to be in this discussion... I still think all of them are interesting and worth playing, but again, major caveats when recommending them. Yep. But DQ 3 or 4 are both things that I could recommend without major caveats other than they look and sound old. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, In conclusion, Grandia. The first good RPG. The the first good video game and the last good video. You can't even prove me wrong because you haven't played it. It's true. It's very true. <laughs> oh, it's damn true. Uh, let's see. So yeah, let's let's move on did to we, one. Did, did we, we lose so, Eric? He seems to have disappeared. It says he's still here. Well, I assumed that he would pipe up if there was something he wanted to discuss, but I hope he's okay. <coughs> Maybe he had to go use the loo. Yes, we are British now. <laughs> uh, do you think the rumors of the Skyward Sword remake are a cool idea? Yes, uh, give it to me. Yeah. Now. Give like, me that cart. Give it I, to I me. adore Skyward Sword. I am curious how they would bring it off. I get... I, I feel like every time I hear people bring it up, they're like, well, you just map it to the right stick, and it's like... Uh, eh, no. <laughs> not the same. <laughs> not that easy. Not a little the same. Uh... You you just don't get the con- the same kind of control that you do with the actual motion controls. The Joy-Cons could certainly do it in, uh, you know, in TV mode. I'm not sure, uh, just by virtue of how wh- how good they are at you know keeping track of their position in 3D space. But I don't know about how it would work in handheld mode. That's my yeah. only real concern. Really not sure, but I adore Skyward Sword. There is a certain strain of criticism that Im- that tends to rest on the idea that Skyward Sword came out and people were angry at it, and Nintendo went as far in the opposite direction as they could. But at the same time, a lot of the things that Breath of the Wild does are things that it inherits as like taking ideas from Skyward Sword further. Like that shrunken, focused design that you see in the shrines is taking <coughs> ideas from like how the overworld of Skyward Sword fits together and 
expanding it out into a different overworld or the stamina system or the upgrade systems and the reliance on there's only a handful of pieces of Link's equipment that are truly iconic and that he needs to have at all times and the rest can be mixed and matched and re uh, and like upgraded and changed freely is like very much an outgrowth of Skyward Sword's design and I think that it's an underappreciated aspect of how the series has evolved Skyward Sword am good game mm. also it has that easter egg where if you uh, if you go onto Beetle's skyship and then uh, you don't buy anything he drops you through a trap door to your death <laughs> because you freaking made him <coughs> pedal a ship through the sky with even more weight on it only to loiter around and buy nothing it's pretty rude it's it's not a thing that a kind person does no but yeah I love Skyward Sword and I would love to see it brought back and I would trust Nintendo to figure out a way to make it work I'm just not sure what that's going to look like yeah that's the question but I mean Aonuma seems to be very fond of that game it also it has the best story in a Zelda game it's great it's really great oh. Also, <laughs> who would like, that is the most perfect comedic theme imaginable? Who does not want more Groose in their life? Let's be honest. Groose is on the loose. Uh, like, like to to put it another way, Zelda games rarely have characters who recur enough to have real character development like the number the the situations you're looking at are like Midna Cruz uh but like you know Skyward Sword has fun characters and really good art design like I, I just really like Skyward Sword please I, give it a chance it was my you... favorite until Breath of the Wild for sure it was my favorite 3D one, and I'm not sure... Like, yeah. it would depend upon what mood you asked me what my favorite is for 3D ones now. My brain is eternally in the uh, prison of uh, Link to the Past for 2D ones. But Link Between Worlds and Link to the Past kind of exist in the same space yeah. in my brain. It's, oh boy, Link Between Worlds is very, is very, very good <laughs> at being a throwback. Never saw Link Between Worlds coming either. It's like, uh, sequel to Link to the Past. Let's yeah. see you <laughs> Speaking of that... Yeah, we need I, to discuss this. I did not see that coming. No one saw it coming. And they, not they, a single person They predict, faked me out. Those, those jerks faked me out. I'm like, oh my god, it's happening. Poke so, <laughs> Persona 5 on the Switch is happening before my eyes. Here's the thing. There's no way that that game is not happening now. <laughs> like, when you make an announcement like that, you know that it, it, like, around the time that Joker becomes available, or at the very least when they're willing to show him in a direct, they're going to be showing Persona 5 for the Switch. That's my prediction for 2019. Yeah. yeah. Or they'll just announce Q2 for the US. <laughs> 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 That would be cruel. 
I don't I don't know if that game is coming out a little too late to for us to see it. Uh, I mean, if if um that Etrian that last Etrian were coming Nexus. over, I would say yeah, it's probably not. But the fact that that one is coming over makes me think that yeah, we'll get Q two. But yeah, I don't think that has to be an either or proposition either. So. Yeah, I, I suspect we will get Persona 5 Switch, which means I will finally have a chance to replay it. Oh, it's too long for me to sit and play it on PS4. There's too yeah, much. that's why I haven't finished it, although part of that's just... I don't sit down in front of the PS4 a lot, and it's usually for... Destiny. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, no, I know you're a criminal. Don't worry. Destiny still... Does Destiny 2 have new content? You talk about it less. <laughs> uh, it does. I mean, there's still a ton of, for me left to do in the expansion. I, I mean, obviously it hasn't, it it hasn't grabbed me as much as Destiny 1, and there's a lot of, there's a lot we can go uh, based on that. That's which your you, gift for the hundredth episode, yeah. if you get to talk about that. Yeah, me for it. But the, I mean, it's <laughs> it's a lot about the there aren't some of the modes I loved in the original game and just I, I don't know it's it's tough to say and at this point i'm hype for destiny 3 uh, yes the 3 i mean are they just gonna screw it up again and i'm gonna have to you know wait a year again for a big giant expansion I, i'm, I'm kind of worried about bungie they seem honestly. to be in a weird spiral yeah uh i mean they they did a great job correcting things but i mean um Vicarious Visions is actually working on like a lot of the smaller expansions now. So, no, I don't... Looking forward to them rebooting the entire game again. <laughs> yeah, it's Tell weird. me that you honestly don't believe that will happen. Uh, it would not surprise me, to be honest. <sighs> Alright, what else we got for questions? I think we ran ourselves out, man. Is that all of Budai's? Okay, I got a question from Joshua he sent me. I'm always on that. Oh, yeah, I also need to talk about Judgment. Yes. But Maybe we'll answer the question first. Yeah. Uh, do, do, do. What do you think of the current health of the various Bioware series, and how much does the future of Bioware hinge on the success of Anthem next year? Uh, the future of Bioware as they're currently going is very much going to depend on Anthem eating Destiny's lunch. Yeah. Can it actually do that? If it had come out last year, it probably would have had its best shot. Yeah, I think, yeah, definitely. If it had come out during the down downward turn of Destiny, for sure, but it's... Uh, but, you know, then again... People are fickle. Who knows? People are fickle, and... I'm not going to say like Destiny as it is right now and is in the the healthiest state. So it's not sticky enough to necessarily like turn away anyone that uh right. that someone would be like, "Well, I'm too committed to Destiny to play this other similar game." Right. So as as for the health of their various franchises, I mean, they have two and one of them is very <laughs> dead for the time being. Yeah, Mass Mass Effect ain't coming back for a while. Um, yeah. I've, I haven't really played in case, Andromeda. Andromeda is a sequel to Mass Effect 1 
that doesn't realize Mass Effect 2 and 3 happened. That's, mm. that's not... Oh, there he is. He's alive. He lives. Yeah, I kind of kind of got to go to bed. I'm getting tired. Yeah, okay. no worries. Good night. Always a pleasure. Mm. Well, see you guys later. See ya. See ya. Uh, so, Andromeda is... And in some places that's neat because it does focus more on like the seeing new and strange things. But in other places that's like, oh, uh, hmm. Well, maybe not. Uh, maybe this feels unpolished and like you don't have a lot of idea of where you're going with this. Yeah. And so like it's it's a frustrating game and I think that a sequel could have been really magical, really good. But it the what's there is not. Yeah. Great. Um, it's probably not terrible, I imagine. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. It's, so uh, so if it if it hadn't been hadn't had the name Mass Effect attached to it, it probably would have been done okay. If it was just released as Andromeda, yeah. people would have said, this is a rough around the edges, but kind of neat, like, spacefaring uh, shooter RPG that I could see growing into a big franchise. Mm. But, I mean, it was Mass Effect 4. Yeah. And it came out in, like, the like by all accounts, EA's internal estimation was that the game would come out to about 8 out of 10 and sell just fine, but it had the unfor- the misfortune of coming out right between Horizon Zero Dawn and uh, Breath of the Wild, which means that it came out against games that were profoundly polished was that it made really? it... <laughs> was it really that soon ago? I felt like it was a while, a while ago. No, guess... no, a year and a half ago. I guess two, just nearly be- two years ago. Just because, but... just because it kind of vanished from, like, it, game it consciousness. It fell straight down the memory yeah. hole. <laughs> Ouch. But it was like it was one of those situations where the two very big games around <laughs> it were like in perfectly positioned to make the fact that it looked unpolished make it look like just like they had sold you a sold you a turd sandwich. And it was just there was not much that could be done for it. Like I, I think that the competition around it probably negatively affected perception of it, like Oh, this game's ugly and buggy. Yeah, that's a Bioware game. That's how they work. Like, that's just how they do. Yeah. Like, this one's a little uglier and a little buggier than usual, but I mean, not profoundly uglier and buggier than usual. But it's it's fine. Like, if you see it for very cheap and you want that kind of RPG, that's a way you can play it. Like, that is that will hold you over until, I don't know, what's that new frickin' Obsidian game, Outer Worlds? I'd give it Give it here. Yeah, you you go off Give on it. that for just a couple. Weeks. Uh, that game, man. Uh, it looks neat. Fallout in space, I think, kind of sums it up because it it's got like the look. It's the got that like. Look. It's got that like. Uh, parody of, like, the the worst excesses of modern society, especially American modern society. Yeah packaged together as like its central thematic backdrop that very much puts it in step with Fallout. Yeah. Also that original trailer is a super call out, by the way. Is it? In in the sense that it says from the original creators of Fallout <laughs> and the developers of Fallout New Vegas. 
Oh, I didn't even like, catch that. That. Is, that, is a, that is something you put in there with intent. Yep. But... It, that's especially something you do after something like Fallout 76 comes out. After... <laughs> oh, yeah, how do you feel about... The, did you hear about the uh, Fallout 76 uh, accidental data breach? No. <laughs> uh, there was a bug with Bethesda's support tickets where putting in a support ticket would sometimes cause people to randomly be given access to all support tickets. Huh. So, like, someone was posting on Reddit, and it got verified that, like, okay, yes, this is real, this happened. Huh. But they were like, yeah, I can see all of your support tickets, I can examine them, I can see your names and addresses, I can open and close them. Huh. It's weird. I don't know how this happened. I'm trying not to touch anything. But it was just one of those, how do you even do that? That's bad. Like, it's really bad. Bethesda's profound <coughs> inability to even acknowledge the idea that that the infrastructure around something like Fallout 76 needs to be on a completely different paradigm from the infrastructure around something like Fallout 4 is truly baffling. Yeah. I yeah, it's just comedy of errors every every way you look at it. But hey, Outer Worlds looks neat. Yeah. It looks great, and I'm glad Obsidian is now financially sound. Uh, this was, uh, this was, this is, uh, for in case anyone missed this announcement, it was the other thing at the Game Awards that was interesting. Uh, this was, there. that's that's me being mean. There's other things at the Game Awards that were neat. Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. But, uh, like, uh, this, even though Obsidian is now owned by Microsoft, this is coming to PS4, Xbox, and PC. Yep. Because this this was a game being developed by like a weird it, being published by like a weird sub label of Take Two. Uh, I forget what it's called, but it's supposed to be for like mid tier projects. I forget huh. what that. It, it was okay. It was uh, literally called Private Division, but like the idea was that it was for. Projects that were larger than indie, but not AAA. So that's that's where the money for this came from, and it's why, like... And Microsoft, instead of, like, trying to buy out the cost of making the game exclusive, just said, okay, you can fulfill your obligations to that contract. Interesting. So, yeah. So that's... Uh, let's see. Private Division is a... For Polygon, Private Division is a new independent-focused label under Take Two Interactive Software. It's home to a number of different and unusual projects. Uh, I did not realize that was the label that something like Kerbal Space Program was developed under, or at least currently published under. Uh, and they are also the ones that are publishing the Assassin's Creed creator's new project, Ancestors the Humankind Odyssey. Yeah, that looked like a... Um, I don't know. Looked like a thing. It, it looked like someone had re- resurrected ancient original Xbox uh, Lionhead prototype BC and turned it into Assassin's Creed. Oh yeah, that was a thing, huh? I love looking up. Li- I love remembering all the weird original Xbox games that never saw the light of day because no one wanted to convert them to the 360. <laughs> Like you get, you got like BC and Saberman Stampede. You don't even know what that is. I have no idea. 
Saberman Stampede was the final two-headed mutant that came out of the uh, development cycle that started with a game called Donkey Kong Racing, which was, of course, originally a sequel to Diddy Kong Racing. A kart racer turned into, like, a weird open-world platformer, like, cartoon hunting game. What? Saberman Stampede was weird by the time it died. Weird, man. But... There's a lot of original Xbox games. It's like, oh yeah, one day we'll meet. One day we'll have a discussion with the person that's still sad that they canceled True Fantasy Live Online. <laughs> Is there anyone? Is there a? Uh, there used to be people that were very upset about that, like real pissed. I could never understand it because it looked generic as hell. But I mean, isn't that what became Fantasy Life? Uh, I believe people speculate that. I don't know if Level 5 ever actually confirmed that, but uh. there were there were people... How, like, to, to put this into perspective, I just googled True Fantasy Live Online, and one of the results I saw was someone actually bringing it up in relation to a new Level 5 announcement. Huh. And there's, like, some people that were really wanting that. I don't... Like, I'm looking at this Destructoid preview of whatever this new game is, and it just says, I vividly remember reading magazine previews for Level 5's True Fantasy Live Online, their ambitious Xbox MMO that was cancelled in 2004. I even had a crew ready and waiting with our party planned out. It's like, why? <laughs> what about that game looked particularly interesting? It was just a fantasy MMO you could play on your Xbox, I guess. Whatever. Uh, yeah, I'm as baffled as you are. Let's all play some freaking... Man, I'm terrified of the new year. There's a lot coming out in January. Yeah. You excited for Resident Evil 2 Remake and Kingdom Hearts 3 on the same freaking day? Yeah, are uh, no. They're not on the same day. No. They're nope. on the same nope. day. Nope. They uh, are. Man. Well, that's going to be a weird night. <laughs> <laughs> Before the children to bed, Kingdom Hearts 3, after you send the children to bed. Oh, man, that's, that's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. Wearing your dreams that you can fight in a horrifying fashion. <laughs> uh, we also got Tales of Vesperia. Oh, yeah, that will happen. I'll put that in the Switch and slowly peck away at it again. I'm going to play it on the X-Bone and never use the pirate character. Just because. <laughs> because nothing can stop you. That's right. Uh, <laughs> see, what does my, my Amazon have? Oh, I also have to... Travis Strikes Again happens early next year as well. No more heroes anymore. Early next year. Got... Uh, <laughs> Tales of Asperia... KH3, RE2, and then like, once you get into March, you got Devil May Cry 5. Sure wish I could play the demo oh, for that. Shit. <laughs> I know I forgot what? to do something. You okay. can play. It's nothing stopping you. <clears throat> I know. Alright, well, it's time to wrap this up. <laughs> Pull my Devil Trigger. Uh, you can ask questions in the usual places, and I might even remember to see them yes. now, because I'll oh. be on vacation next week. 
Are you on vacation next week? Uh, no, I actually will not have left until the 19th. Okay, good. Good. Good, okay. Someone's <laughs> got to be here for episode 100. So the episode 100 can continue as planned. 100, you said to me. Yes. Well, next week is episode 100, and we're going to pull out random nonsense from old Q&A, and uh, we have at least one guest. I'm going to... Anyone else? I probably not go with my idea where we just record in the Discord and whoever comes in comes in. <laughs> Maybe we'll do that for a, a segment. <laughs> Definitely not the whole thing. That's a yeah. dangerous idea. But yeah, that's an interesting idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm looking at this. Uh, let's see. Both of them, both uh, RE2 and KH3 seem to be intended for Friday, January 25th. Although my Amazon order for KH3 says that it won't arrive for me until the following Tuesday. Huh. Uh, we'll see how that how that pans out. Huh. Yeah, uh, questions in the usual place. We'll given the shenanigans we have planned, we'll see if we if they end up going into the backlog for episode 101. Yes. Uh... <laughs> You can send us your questions. Uh, we're, as I said, we're going to go through a lot of random old questions and just have a free-form discussion. So your questions will likely be skipped next week, but they've... They'll go into a backlog. We yes. won't just forget about them. They've lost, but not forgotten. I mean, not forgotten or lost, sorry. They will just sit in a document. It's not that hard. <laughs> uh, on that note, we'll see you next week.